0: This is episode number 45 of the Abuse Talk podcast. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore and I turned my pain into a purpose. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and believe that together we are louder. Louder. each fortnight there is a new episode on the abuse talk podcast featuring a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector and sharing it with all of you we are also mixing it with survivor stories those with lived experiences we can learn from them and help raise the awareness of domestic abuse In this episode I speak to Edwina Clark. She is a mum of two and a survivor of domestic abuse. She says I want all women to know that no matter how dark it feels some days, no matter how big the struggle, better days are coming. I'll continue to be the cheerleader for others that I never had. But before we get started I want to say a big thank you to Rockpool. They're the main sponsor for Hashtag Abuse Talk and you can find out more about their training programs in the domestic abuse sector at rockpool.life and I'm so excited to have Edwina Clark with us today because we actually met verbally on Clubhouse and I know you can't see us but we're seeing each other for the first time on screen and um yeah, we just started following each other on Clubhouse and I've ended up in her rooms and I'm sure she's ended up in mine and we've heard a lot about each other and I felt it was appropriate to bring her on the podcast, of course. So hello, Edwina.
1: Hi, how are you? <laughs> see you.
0: Oh, I'm really excited um, and so happy to have you here with us.
1: Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Oh, no problem. Do you want, do you want to tell everybody a bit about you?
1: Yep, so I'm now 35, as my daughter keeps reminding me, that makes me over a third of a century and closer to half a century. I was like, thanks for that. (laughs) So I have two children, a 14-year-old who has Asperger's and a 12-year-old son. Quite a lot of people know my daughter because she started her own business, so she's popping up all over Facebook. My son is exactly the opposite, quiet, doesn't want to talk to anybody.
0: So two very different children. I love that. I love that your daughter is all over Facebook um, and kudos to her with a business. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Might as yeah, well give so, her a plug.
1: <laughs> yeah, so she runs a group on Facebook called Ari's Crafty Dogs Corner. And she literally started by selling dog collars that she makes herself out of Paracord, which is kind of the wire that they use on parachutes. The rope, should I say, not the wire. And then she started with dog collars. She now makes leads, lanyards, dog toys, bracelets, team incentives. She's doing all sorts of stuff.
0: That's, it's amazing. I've, I've written that down. I'll pop a link in the um, information if anybody wants to find it. I'm assuming it will be open to join.
1: Yep, it's open to join. She loves it. She's, well, she's growing her Facebook group faster than I'm growing mine now.
0: <laughs> I love that. But um, we'll get onto your Facebook group. Um, obviously we're talking survivor stories today and um, obviously unfortunately we have that thing in common where we've had lived experiences Um, and I'd love to find out a bit about the your journey really and what's got you to the point in where you are today if that's okay.
1: Yeah that's fine it's a bit of a roller coaster one so so I think we got back right. Probably best place to start is at the beginning. So when I was 18, I decided I was going to join the merchant navy. Lasted a whole day, decided that wasn't for me. Went back home. And at this point, I knew I didn't want to stay living at home for much longer. Went and got a full-time job and fell in love, as I thought, at that time, for well, being 18 and a little bit blind, I think. So I fell in love with this guy that had the same job as me and ended up moving in with him. So he Alarm bell should have started ringing from the start. He lived at home with his two brothers and his mum, even though he's 10 years older than me, but didn't really think anything of it. We'd get up, go to work together, go back home together. And then before I knew it, I was spending no time kind of away from him, which he was quite glad about. I hadn't realised how much it had come from me seeing my friends to suddenly not seeing anyone. And then looking back now, I can see exactly where the isolation started. But obviously at that time I just thought it was me and him. Kind of he wanted to look after me, he wanted us to spend time together. So I really didn't think anything of it. And then so I did that job through the summer. Then in the winter, I finished my job because it was a seasonal job. So I got a job somewhere else in the same town. He didn't like that. Again, no alarm bells rang at the time. I just thought, oh, it's just good because we're not working together kind of thing. Then he finished his job and it rapidly became apparent how much he was using alcohol as a crutch. So it went from him enjoying a drink on a night to me suddenly thinking, do you know what? I can't actually remember a night when he didn't enjoy a drink. Even though I knew this and I knew it probably wasn't an ideal situation, I did nothing about changing it. He then went and got another job. Then I realised how well he was able to function even after having a drink. So we could get up, drink a bottle of cider, still go to work. Didn't display a kind of any effects of having been drinking. Again, no alarm bells rang, and then we were arguing one day. He'd already called me a few names, but I hadn't really thought a great deal of it, or I'd make excuses, you know, it's like, he's had a drink, or he did not said this. And then he pushed me, and that was kind of the first thing that made me think, actually, is there a little bit more to this? But still, didn't do a great deal about it, other than I went to the doctors to go on the pill, because I thought, I definitely do not want children with this man then found out I was already pregnant. So I was like, oops. So me being me at that time, thought that I could do the best of everything and thought that when we had a child, everything had kind of changed, only to learn it only got worse. But a part of me also wanted my unborn child to have a mum and a dad. So to me, that I needed to stay with him so that our child would have the perfect kind of family. And then things just rapidly got worse from there. He took control of all finances. The verbal abuse went from being the odd word to being quite, it was quite psychologically nasty and would play games. And then that progressed to physical abuse, which initially I was shocked about. But then as I've realised looking back, it got to the point where it was that frequent that I wouldn't actually do anything to kind of protect myself. So initially when he'd start shouting, I'd try and get away by the end of it. I wouldn't even try and get away. If I was at the top of the stairs when he started, I'd just argue with him. A couple of times I ended up at the bottom of the stairs as a result of that, but still didn't do anything about it. And it took me a decade of being with him till I eventually thought, you know what, this isn't going to ever get any better. By this point, I'd got another child with him who I hadn't consented to conceiving. I'd married him, started at university because I knew he kind of wasn't going to provide for the kids. So I thought, well, I. I'm going to have to do something to make sure they've got a better life. So I actually went and trained to be a social worker at university, which was kind of a part of me then realising actually things are really not good at home. And it was through some lectures about domestic abuse and the effects that that can have on children and me also doing a placement in a homeless shelter where a lot of the women coming in had experienced domestic abuse, that then I started to realise that there was far more to children just needing a mum and a dad and it would be better for them to just have me and a safe environment than to stay with them but yeah it took me a decade to actually realize that
0: I mean the fact that you went on to a university course and for social work and then had those realizations that's quite a unique um journey so I'm assuming you didn't finish the university course or did you manage to complete yeah.
1: it? I managed to complete it, even though we actually separated whilst I was at university, so that was quite difficult. Mm. University were saying to me, because I was heading for a first-class degree and then I'd had this going at home, they were saying, no, you'd be better to delay it, then at least you can graduate with a first... What's it called? What you year? Defer, if, uh, that's the word. They were telling me to defer for a year. I'd also recently been diagnosed with really profound dyslexia, so I was finding that quite a struggle as well. But I knew at that point that if I deferred, I would never go back. Mm. So I'll then go and find a job to kind of give us an income and then I'll get complacent in that job because it's keeping a roof over it. head. So I knew I had to carry on. So I did carry on and finish it and ended up with my friend practically living in my house because university was an hour's car journey away.
0: So I was coming oh,
1: and so he was having to look after the kids whilst I was up and out at uni. So I, no, I
0: mean, didn't... that's um, that deserves a commendation in itself, the fact that you managed to complete it. Um, and did you, what grade did you get considering everything that you were going through then?
1: Yeah, I graduated with a first, um, literally by half a percent. But I was- oh, my
0: goodness. I had a feeling you might say that. And I thought, I hope I'm not answering this question and thinking what could be the answer to this. But I mean, you know, that's um, it says a lot, doesn't it? Did did any of your lecturers then, you know, were they informed about what was happening at home? Did did anyone know that you had these realisations?
1: Some lecturers knew little bits, but not really because, I don't know, it's kind of different when I went to uni. So at school, you kind of get to know your lecturers where, like your teachers, but then when you get to uni, it's very kind of standoff. And so no, they didn't really know a great deal. They knew that we'd separated. Mm -hmm. They knew that I was in a lot of a mess financially because he actually, he contacted student finance, told them we were divorced. They stopped all payments while waiting for a decree nicely, Mm -hmm. but we weren't actually divorced. And I had no end of hassle trying to explain to him, look, I can't send you a piece of paper that does not exist. And that although we were separated, it was a nightmare. We had six months with no income other than child benefit.
0: So, I mean, it sounds like you've been, you know, through quite a lot, um, but also had this amazing ability to keep focused and clearly put your children at the sort of forefront and the direction and maybe the goal kind of thing Um, let's go back to you know um, I heard you saying about you didn't you know there were all these like almost signs you know you didn't think anything of it you don't know you know you you heard the names but you made excuses maybe in your head why do you think you um, you know didn't action anything then then Do you think
1: about that? Initially, I think I was just completely blind and it was an easy way to get out of the situation that I didn't want to be in. So because I didn't want to stay living where I was living, it was an alternative to that. So I think there's a part of me that at that time thought, well, yeah, things aren't ideal, but it is what you wanted. It's got you out of living where you were living. And we'd moved to a different town to where I'd been previously living. So for me, it was like a new start. So I think initially it was just that this is kind of what you asked for. Now you've got it. You've kind of made your own bed. And then afterwards, like I say, once I found out I was pregnant, then it was just completely overridden by I had this thing in my head that maybe because my mum and dad did split up when I was young, but I just had this thing in my head that children should have a mum and a dad or do you know what I mean? Two parents that live together, and I thought that that's what kind of needed to happen for them and then as things worse kind of physically and emotionally it just completely became well you've managed this long you've got through this you, you'll continue to be fine
0: yeah well let's talk about sort of getting too close to to where you are now um clearly that has not been put aside but you've come a long way from that and um obviously I've seen what, well, I hope you know that I feel that you're a confident person in terms of listening to you on Clubhouse and seeing you online, which, you know, is, is just something that I wish I I could adopt. So, you know, you should um, be proud of, you know, where you've got to, and I'd love you to share sort of where, where you're at now, and how that um, transition has been, you know, for, maybe for your children as well. As well, was it yeah. is it worth, you know, the fact that actually one mum is better than the mum and dad that you'd have thought about?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, 2013, he eventually moved out, and 2014, after a year of him turning up at the house every weekend. He'd be drunk. Police would arrest him, prevent the breach of the peace, and then they'd let him go the next morning. And we'd, we'd have this weekly. Kids had hide under the table. They were like three and five at this point. So it literally, as I finished uni on the Tuesday, I picked him up from school on the Friday, and I was like, well, well. So drove 100 miles, moved to a new town, set up for a start, which is where we still live now. At that point, I literally, again, quite naively just thought, do you know what, fresh start, he's not here, we are, we can all start again. At that point, I got really poorly, so over the space of four years, I was diagnosed with six chronic conditions. As my physical health started to fail, my mental health then completely went with it too, and I ended up by 2018 off work long-term sick, really unwell, and I'd just sunk to a point where I couldn't see anything outside of kind of me and the kids. Didn't leave the house, not a good time at all for us. So it did take me to kind of get worse before I got better. Mm. But what I learned more about afterwards was how living them 10 years kind of in a fight or flight mode is what then led to my body later saying, you know what, now you've slowed down, we're going to slow down too. And it just completely unraveled from there. It was then a couple of years after that, so it was only 2019 that I started the business that I'm in, and then 2020, so it had been September last year, just under a year ago, that somebody that knew a little bit of my story challenged me to to tell a bit more about your story, and it will inspire other people. I thought she was off the rocker when she first (laughs) said it. Did this live, and lots of people watched it and messaged afterwards, and then it just kind of went from there that kind of doing it built my confidence to speak out about it then more people came to me which gave me more confidence and it just kind of went from there but up until September last year I hadn't really spoken about it at all.
0: Yeah I mean what what I think is really important in what you've just said there is a couple of things really the the fact that you your body obviously slowed down from all the sort of that fight and flight mode you referenced the fact that it was all high paced stress you know probably sleepless and everything that was your body was trying to cope with what was going on to having that that crash and I can kind of um you know relate to some of what you were saying and I'm sure many other people will as you you've even referenced and then the and I think there should be more looked into that Um, I know we've got um, a lot of insight into ACEs, which is adverse childhood experiences, but there's not really much out there scientifically about somebody as an adult being in fight or flight mode and that actually having an impact on their health um, scientifically. And I'd love something to come out about that because I swear I wouldn't have an autoimmune disease if it hadn't been from that situation. So I would love that to open up. So I'm glad you've uh, (laughs) referenced that.
1: Lots of people with fibromyalgia have experienced either childhood trauma or domestic abuse as an adult. And I'm sure there is some kind of really strong correlated link but obviously when somebody tells you they've got fibro there's never an appropriate time to say but by the way did you yeah this but the number of people that I know have got fibro that then later there's been bits where I thought it's another person that's coming from the same sort of background
0: yeah and I'm sure if you actually look into I mean I don't know much about fibro um only you know of it and the little I've read on it but I'm sure that when you start looking at each sort of makeup of, you know, each illness, there'll be a section where it says extreme stress can cause this. And if you think about the extreme stress that we're under as as people in, in an abusive relationship, you can't really get any more extreme than that, to be honest. And for me, I've got something called Graves' disease. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's to do with your thyroid, which controls your hormones and your energy levels, which is just fantastic. And um, I was diagnosed. Got, um, sorry.
1: Lots of my customers have got thyroid conditions.
0: Ah, that's interesting. Um, but one of the one of the things it was they said oh, it must be genetic. So I started hunting around my family history, thinking. Uh, you know, have you got this? And everybody was the opposite. So everybody was, um, I was always hyperthyroidism and then plummeting. I was. It was very mixed because it's almost like your foreign body is attacking your thyroid. Um, whereas my family, it was always about sort of having too much thyroxin. So mine was always unstable and theirs was just that they had too much
1: yeah. and
0: um, totally not related to that. And that was when I realised that th- that wasn't the issue. And the other thing that can set it off is extreme stress. And I was like, I just know this is something to do with what I've been through, but I can't scientifically say that and nor can a doctor tell me or confirm that. But it's coincidence, isn't it? I'll say them.
1: Yeah, I've got exactly the same thoughts. with.
0: <laughs> and um, obviously going through, um, you know, chronic illnesses and diseases, it's you know it's not easy how how did you feel when you got those diagno- you know, nurses for those illnesses then after going through all of that
1: initially it kind of felt like it was some kind of karma and although I'm not kind of into woo-woo and stuff like that I wasn't at this point so although I didn't know a great deal about it I was convinced that it was kind of payback and I was like, I'm not sure what I've done to deserve this kind of thing. And I did at first go into kind of a oh, poor me. And I just sunk into victim mode of life's never going to be any better. Look, you got rid of this shit going on. And now it's just been replaced with kind of physical and emotional health conditions. So it did take me some time at first. I just felt mighty sorry for myself and couldn't see kind of a way out of any of it. But I wasn't actually looking looking back. I literally just laid feeling sorry for myself and, Oh, poor me, kind of thing, which obviously didn't do any good for anything.
0: Well, it's obviously not going to help with um, feeling better about yourself or even... It's so almost with chronic illnesses, I don't know about you, but I feel like you have to put energy into them to feel good or better or stable.
1: <laughs> so, well, I've a few posts recently about spoon theory to try and explain to people kind of what it is like living with chronic conditions, especially when one of them that I've got is chronic fatigue. I'm like, I'm bloody knackered before I start the day
0: yeah no definitely I've heard about the spoon theory apart from I've already used all my spoons by like 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> <It says> you- <laughs> and I bet you're the same
1: <laughs> and then when you get to the bit where it says taking medication uses spoons I was like no we're stuffed all together
0: <laughs> yeah definitely oh dear well you've you've definitely been on a journey and uh through all of that so let, let's talk about where you're at now because you obviously referenced Um, you've got your own business and even your daughter um, obviously walking in her mum's shoes so tell us about that.
1: Yes so she would be a network marketer if she was old enough she's obsessed with the model and kind of how it works she loves challenging people that it's not a scam which interests me no end because she's only 14 and never done it. But yeah, it's only, again, it's only in the last year that she's kind of come out of her shell. In the last year, my son's also come from being an 11-year-old, quite young child to being a 12-year-old, thinks he's man of the house and a little bit of a, we have a bit of a macho personality going on at the moment, shall we say, with him at that age. Great fun. But yeah, in the last year, I think we've all come on leaps and bounds. My business has grown, which has enabled me to be networking with more people which she's overheard and absolutely loves which is what made her decide you know what at the start of lockdown when she had extra time on her hands and wasn't at school she's like I'm just going to do a business and initially I didn't think she would but no nope, she's just carried on going with it it's not too amuse she's now had to go back to school I'm like unfortunately it's not really a choice
0: <laughs> yeah unfortunately not but it's um you know it's really good to do all the learning and the lessons early on Um, I certainly wish um, I'd have been taught about business with outside the school system you know that you don't have to have a normal job as it were and that there are options so tell, tell us about you and what you do then Edwina.
1: So my business actually came out of a complete accident. So there was a lady on Facebook while I was chronically unwell laid on my sofa and she kept talking about this happy coffee. And I kept thinking, there is no way that coffee makes people happy. But I love coffee anyway. So in the end, I was like, just send some. Edwina, you'll love it. It got here and I chucked it in a drawer because I just thought, you know what, it's another scam, it's another fad. And then a couple of weeks later, she's like, just get out and try it. And she so shared a result with me of somebody with ulcerative colitis, which is a little bit like Crohn's, but not as severe. Anyway, this woman had tried it and it had helped a load. So I was like, you know what, I'll give it a try. So I had three days worth, loved it that much that I signed up to buy a month's worth. So I knew it came with a full money back guarantee. So my original intention was drink it for three weeks send back the last little bit in the pot, get my money back, and that would be the end of that. But because I'd put on an awful lot of weight, through being on steroids and through laying on the sofa and not doing anything, so all the extra weight then started to fall off, and I was like, this is too good to be true. I've literally changed one coffee, and I'm losing this weight. So it was a no-brainer to do it as a business. So when other people were listening to how much I liked it, and then I was sending them to speak to Kelsey, she's like Edwina why don't you just sell it yourself rather than keep sending people to me
0: Mm. I'd
1: already by this point met lots of friends in groups for people with Crohn's and people with fibro people with chronic fatigue people with arthritis so I'd already made these connections so they were just like let me try it so it just made sense to kind of earn it for me rather than me earn her the money yeah well
0: it does make sense and um you know it's really great to hear that sort of been the journey because it seems like it's been really quite natural to come yeah. to that point and I always think something that's helped you is what's well, going to be easy to sort of share with other people yeah. um, and I know we've both had that discussion over MLM before it so for people who who don't know on the podcast about MLM it's multi-level marketing but Actually, I've got to admit, I used to be in one and it pretty much financially provided um, for my family, just really outside of um, an abusive relationship. And, you know, a lot of people give it some stick, but actually I've had I've had not a good experience and I've had a really great experience. And that certainly outweighs the negative
1: yeah so for me if we hadn't have had this we would have literally sunk during lockdown because my partner was furloughed so we needed it and for me it's been it's been incredible because I do it alongside having a full-time job Mm. so I think a lot of the negativity that goes around about multi-level marketing and network marketing is based on ideas that I don't think people really understand sadly and it is a shame that you get a couple of people that are really spammy with it or you get the people that try it for two days and then say, well, I'm not rich yet. And I'm like, it is not a get quick rich scheme. It can provide like substantial earnings. But there's also the side that if you don't put the work in, you won't get paid. And I think that's what people don't realise with MLM. It's that it is literally, you kind of get paid based on the effort. And the more you put in, the more you'll get out of it.
0: Certainly. Well, thank you for that, Edwina. Because I'm not sure many people will um, know of MLM or have heard of it, but not known really, you know that side of it. Um. So how how can people find you? I'm assuming you're happy for people to uh, reach out to you.
1: Yep. So if you just wanting to connect with me, you can either add me on Facebook, which is Edwina Clark, or I do run a group which is called Ed's Online Positivity Cafe which I take great pride in the fact that we've grown that to be not about a business group. So I do share some of my products in there, but quite often I'll get messages, Ed, you haven't even mentioned the coffee for weeks. I'm like, oh yeah, because we're that busy having fun and supporting each other that I never wanted it to kind of be just about the business. A lot of people that joined in the early days were joining to follow my journey because like I say, I lost over 80 pounds. So it's been quite a journey for people to see physically Plus, nobody knew who I was when I started my group. My profile picture was a piece of wood. And I just <laughs> behind that. And then eventually I was like, maybe I should do like to help me. So I shared a couple of photos and people were like, oh, so that's what Edwina actually looks like.
0: And now, and then, how can we not know what you look like, Edwina?
1: <laughs> the people in the group were a huge part of that kind of supporting me on my journey. And if I'm having a bad day, I go in and tell them I'm having a bad day. Hmm. If things aren't working out, I'll go in and tell them. So for me, it's, it's just a really supportive group.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And um, I think it's important to have spaces like that online where people feel yep. that safety and security. And it sounds like you've set it up because it's a, a gap in your life almost and that you, you feel safe in there and the people around there feel equally the same. And they're the best kind of uh, groups, in my opinion. Yep. So it's Ed's Online Positivity Cafe. And I will pop the link to that in the description for anybody who wants to find it on Facebook.
1: It is women's only. So sorry if there are any <laughs> listening. But I let the group make that decision quite at the start of lockdown. I was like, mm-hmm. there were only five men in there. And I was like, do we want it to be women's only? and overarchingly they did so it is a women's only group now
0: no that's that's good to know thank you for the disclaimer well Edwina it has been absolutely lovely to have you on the podcast and really appreciate you sharing your journey and um, especially more on the side that where you are now um, and it's really great to have actually met you on Clubhouse and brought this together
1: yeah I think it's just it's a way of people kind of that's what I love about Clubhouse. Everybody connects on a There's no kind of hierarchy there, is there? And no, it's really so, personal,
0: isn't it? And yeah. I think when you put a message together, there's no context to the no. tone of voice. So it can be taken in completely the wrong way. Whereas on Clubhouse, it's completely dependent on your voice. And I think that's shaken a few people that are maybe have Um, had some success and it's um, it's given a lot of others on you know individual entrepreneurs the opportunity to actually have a voice so I really enjoy it over there so if anybody wants to find Edwina on Clubhouse where do they find you? (laughs) I think on Clubhouse
1: it's I think it's the same Edwina Clark it might be at the Edwina C I'm not exactly I'll have to double check that I think the other good thing about Clubhouse is so many survivors are coming forwards and actually having that voice by kind of people talking about it and people kind of breaking down that stigma I think it's enabling other people to see actually there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that it does get easier
0: yeah and I mean it's really hard when you're going through it to see that um and I used to always think of the, the the saying the grass isn't always greener on the other side when actually in that case it certainly was but you had to really work hard to get to that point um and you've covered that in what you've said in terms of you know it got worse before it got better um and that's the hard part but you've got to stick it through so um i'll try i'll grab your clubhouse link as well and we'll pop that in the description so for anyone listening everything will be available in the um information section on the episode so you can find edwina and connect with her find her on clubhouse her daughter's facebook group everything it's just so fantastic so thank you edwina thank you very and much i'm sure i'll speak to you soon <laughs> probably no doubt A big thank you once again to Edwina. It was such a delight to uh, have that conversation with her and so glad to have actually come across her at this point in her journey. You have been listening to me, Jennifer Gilmore, author of Isolation Junction and Clipped Wings. Both are available on Amazon or you can find them at jennifergilmore.com.